Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. everyone i'm guile and i tweet at door podcast and today i'm joined by chicky hey i am chicky i am at the chicken on twitter and devin hey this is devin i'm gd harpo on twitter and lot hi i'm lot the lady of tarth on twitter today we are going to be covering danny's eighth chapter in a game of thrones and again a very strong trigger warning for discussions of rape and violence in this chapter so we start out the chapter um, Danny's watching as blood flies gather. <laughs> First of all, this chapter is so gross. Anyway. No. <laughs> anyway, so Danny's watching as these blood flies gather around Drogo, and she talks so are about these how mosquitoes in the- are they mosquitoes? Yeah, I mean, is that what but, it is? No, I thought flies. Like, they're so like- bigger because she says that he would grab and kill them in his fist, which I feel like if it was a mosquito, like it seems like they're maybe giant mosquitoes. Huh. I just yeah, thought of like, like decay, like you know, flies are drawn to rotting flesh. Oh, yeah, that's oh. why I thought like more like fly flies. But I think they're big because I just like you know I picture Drogo as having like big hands too. So like you know he's not crushing a mosquito in his so, hand. So like or... horse flies, but they drink blood or <sighs> yeah. something. Yeah, that sounds like something he would create. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and these are like big and purple. I think I think they're they can be like as large as bees. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Drogo's not reacting to this at all. So Danny, um, and I, we find out that after six days, he had taken off the poultice that Miri Maz Dior made for him. And instead, he put some mud over the wound and was self-medicating with poppy wine. Um, but we know it's not helping because Danny talks about she, you know, she has to watch and feel him thrashing and moaning through the night. And she's pretty concerned and she rides up next to him and, you know, is trying to talk to him, but he's like pretty much non-communicative and eventually he falls from his horse. And I mean, ensue chaos at this point. Everyone starts freaking <laughs> the fuck out, basically. And really pretty much for the rest of the chapter is virtually everyone, with the exception of one person, freaking out. So it's um, chaos. Yeah. Yeah. So Danny right away is like, we're going to camp right here. And she tells Drogo's blood riders to bring Miri Mazdor to her. And um, she and her handmaidens put Drogo in a tent or they, they must set up the tent and they start to strip him down. And um, Eroe, I don't know how to pronounce her name. She's the girl. I would say Eroe. Eroe. Um, She's the girl that Danny claimed after she was raped. Um, she just looks at Drogo and says, he dies. And Danny, you know, slaps her. Um, Jiki's like, he fell from me. It's just like, he fell from his horse. He fell from his horse. And, you know, Danny knows she can't keep it a secret. You know, the entire, you know, a cow who cannot ride cannot rule, they say. Well, isn't this, don't we learn this like in Danny's first chapter that they, they have to be able to ride or they can't be yeah. cow anymore? I mean, like, yeah. this has been yep. threaded throughout. So like um, hence, I kind of love though how competent Danny is here. She it really sh- I mean you know considering she's what fourteen still yeah um she's really on it like she understands the significance she understands what's going on she understands they need to hide him 
I mean, everything that she's doing here is is pretty sharp and with it. You really mm-hmm. kind of see the the first real glimmers of truly commanding. I mean, you've seen it. We've seen, you know, the beginnings of it before this. But this is I mean, her really she, just kind of taking over a situation. Yeah. So they start to bathe. Drogo and Jorah arrives. And, you know, he tells Danny everyone's already talking about what happened. And Danny begs for his help. And... So he sends everyone outside of the tent and he starts to scrape the leaves and mud from Drogo's chest to get a look at what's going on. And and lot this this I'm gonna read just for you because I know you like whore. Um Thank you. so um, when they were alone, Sir Jorah drew his dagger. Deftly, with the delicacy surprising in such a big man, he began to scrape away the black leaves and dried blue mud from Drogo's chest. The plaster had caked hard as the mud walls of the lamb men, and like those walls it cracked easily. Sir Jor broke the dry mud with his knife, pried the chunks from the flesh, peeled off the leaves one by one. A foul, sweet smell rose from the wound, so thick it almost choked her. The leaves were crusted with blood and pus, Drogo's breast black and glistening with corruption. No, Danny whispered as tears ran down her cheek. No, please, gods, no, hear me. So that's disgusting. Yeah, um, I want to. I want to just take a moment to say no one deserves this be- this death better more than than Kyle Drogo. He deserves every minute of this. I hope it was really painful. <laughs> good. Um. So Jorah tells Danny that Drogo's as good as dead, and and Danny's freaking out. You know, it was only a cut. He can't die. He can't die. And you know, Jorah tells her that they don't have time for her to grieve. That they have to go now. And he suggests that they go to Ashai and, and find a ship to Pentos. And Danny doesn't really understand why she has to flee, you know, because she's carrying Drogo's heir. And Jorah gives her, you know, some hard truths that the Dothraki aren't going to follow a baby. And then also because of this prophecy of her child being the stallion who mounts the world, they're going to kill him so he's not a rival. And then take Danny to Vas Dothrak to live out her life with the Dash Kaleen. And, you know, Danny. I love this. I love this bit though because it's like you you just you see that George is laying in and he loves this he loves to just drive this home that power is really what holds everything together like you know like mm-hmm. in the end you know yes you can have really nice things like um you know succession which is what Danny is using as her you know her her kind of lifeline back to Westeros you know like oh I'm the heir I'm the heir but what she's learning here is if you can't if you don't have the brutal brute force to hold something you can't hold it and you know, and you know, Danny knows Jorah's right. You know, she she gets this, but you know, she also, you know, she can't give up on Drogo. And Drogo's blood riders arrive with Miri Mazdor, and you know, she looks who is in pretty rough shape after days walking with the Kalasar. And you know, she looks at Drogo and says, you know, the wound is festered. And of course, Kotho blames her for it, and he starts kicking her, you know, because that's very helpful. You know, threatens her in a particularly horrible way. And he's a bit of a poet tells, there. What? Uh, that I said, he's a bit of a poet. I mean, the the on the spot, like all the horrible things he's gonna do to her, like. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was gonna spare us. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Purpose, but let's say it involves like, you know, lots of yeah. Lots of stuff happening to her. <laughs> um, and then tells Danny that he should be right next to Drogo. Yeah, yeah, he's, he should. Like he's the worst. Um, you know, and then he tells Danny that she's lucky they're not going to do the same thing for her, and that she's only Khaleesi as long as Drogo lives. And you know, Jorah 
and you know he's freaking out too and you know jorah kind of points out that drogo's blood riders only live as long as he does and you know so kotho is already a dead man basically so you know kotho's freaking out danny's freaking out you know they're all freaking out basically at this point um and you know miri maz is like oh you saved me again which i thought was very like uh extremely ominous words there that i don't think yeah. danny quite gets at this point in my head that sounded so deadpan the way she oh yeah, <laughs> yeah you know yeah i mean i think it is very deadpan i mean again everyone's freaking out except for miri maz jor who is like 100 percent not freaking mm. out like which probably gives credence to the idea that you know she kind of had a plan here from the beginning um you know danny begs her to save drogo but Miri Maz tells her that he's beyond saving. Um, he'll be dead by morning. And we, we get another little passage. Her words were a knife through Danny's breast. What had she ever done to make the gods so cruel? She had finally found a safe place, had finally tasted love and hope. She was finally going home, and now to lose it all. No, she pleaded, save him and I will free you, I swear it. You must know a way, some magic, some... Miri Mazdor sat back on her heels and studied, Dan- studied Daenerys through eyes as black as night. There is a spell. Her voice was quiet, scarcely more than a whisper. But it is hard, lady, and dark. Some would say that death is cleaner. I learned the way in a shy and paid dear for the lesson. My teacher was a blood mage from the Shadowlands. Danny went cold all over. Then you truly are a magi, Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. <laughs> I think the yeah, I, I can't help you. I'm not sure either. <laughs> No, I wish we knew how it's supposed to be pronounced. Um, and, you know, there is a price, of course. Um, we, You know, only death may pay for life. And at first, Danny thinks that Miri means her life. And, you know, she's like, kind of like, okay, I, I can do this. I can die for him. And, um, you know, but then Miri only asks for Drogo's horse. And, you know, they kill the poor horse, which you really feel bad about until, like, basically when Drogo died, they kill the horse anyway. But, um, you know, they yeah. fairly brutal way. And his blood fills up Drogo's bath. So, you know, you've got Drogo with this horrible, smelly, festering wound sitting naked in a bath full of horse blood. Um, so, um, Miri gets to work and she tells Danny that once she begins to sing, no one should enter the tent. Um, she says, my po- my song will wake powers old and dark. The dead will dance here this night. No living man must look on them. Um, so Danny leaves the tent. And, I mean, this tent has got, like, she's, Miri has been lighting some lights in the tent, but the walls are all splattered with horse blood inside. I mean, it just sounds, like, absolutely horrific. So Danny walks I mean, it's outside. a literal, it's a literal bloodbath. Yeah. It's <laughs> literally made... A bath of blood for yeah. Drogo. I mean, it's insane. Everything about the everything about this is like, you don't do this outside. Like, <laughs> I have a you fucking... don't go outside first before you do this. What got and... me was like they talk about these guys dragging the horse off too. I'm like, how could you have physically well, yeah. done that? <laughs> they, oh yeah, they have to drag the carcass off. <laughs> how many guys? Right. Yeah, like just. I mean, it's you know. She leaves and everyone's staring at her in horror, basically, which, you know, makes complete sense because this chapter is like a little horror, a little horror show in the middle of the book. And, um, 
you know, Miri starts to sing and Danny sees the shadows moving against the walls of the tent. And, you know, everyone is afraid and they continue to freak out as, as they've been doing this. Um, you know, Drogo's blood riders are calling her a Maggie or Maggie, whatever. And, you know, they promise that she's going to die, but they're going to kill Miri and get Drogo first. And, you know, Danny, Danny basically tells her people to stop, you know, Basically, there's a fight between Jorah, Jogo, Ago, and Ricaro against Drogo's Blood Riders, and um, you know Danny's team wins. Which again, you know Jogo, Ago, Ricaro, like pretty three solid freaking warriors, and Jorah too, some yeah. solid freaking warriors to like fairly actually defeat. Jorah is almost like a fucking Terminator in this chapter. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty fucking tough. He takes some pretty bad wounds himself and still and, like, keeps loses going. part of his ear. Um, yeah, and I they... couldn't help but feel too like this part was put in here for us to kind of get a good sense of just how formidable having the armor on yeah. is yeah. versus you know what the Dothraki have. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and when they're not on horseback, you know. Yeah. So. So they, you know, so Danny's team wins, but the Dothraki start, some of the Dothraki start literally throwing stones at Danny. And the, you know, some of them start to flee and then some people just go to bed. Which, That's just, so crazy, this chapter. Right? Like all this shit's going on and you're like, well, I'm just going to go to bed. Um, I feel like that actually probably would have been me. Um, yeah, that's probably. <laughs> well, what else are you gonna do, right? right I mean, you know, I'd be up gossiping. I honestly, yeah, I'd probably have a party. Gonna, what else is there to do in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> um. So Danny's like crawling on the ground, and you know she's crawling on the ground and going into labor, and the birthing woman won't. The Dothraki birthing women won't come to help. Um. Oh, I'm gonna back up. There was another point in here. Where Danny at when Danny sorry when Danny asks Mary Mazdor for help, Mary Mazdor echoes the words Danny said to her earlier, and you know says you don't you know you don't ask for help you tell me. So I thought yeah. that um, again like ice cold well, you ice saved cold, me Mary. you saved me you you know she's like there's a many there there's some very subtle or not so subtle warnings going on here so. Um, so the birthing woman won't come to help Danny. You know, they say that she's cursed, which they're not wrong. And someone in her group, suge- you know, remembers that Mary Maz Dewar said that she could help women in labor. And, you know, Danny's desperately trying to stop them from bringing her to Mary, but she's really too far, too far gone. And um, Jorah takes her into the tent. And I'm going to read the final passage of the chapter. Because it's kind of hilarious at the end. Um, <laughs> um, no, Danny wanted to say, no, not that. You mustn't. But when she opened her mouth, a long wail of pain escaped, and the sweat broke over her skin. What was wrong with them? Couldn't they see? Inside the t- tent, the shapes were dancing, circling the brazier and the bloody bath, dark against the sand silk, and some did not look human. She glimpsed the shadow of a great wolf, and another like a man wreathed in flames. The lamb woman knows the secrets of the birthing bed, Eerie said. She said so. I heard her. Yes, Dury agreed. I heard her, too. No, she shouted, or perhaps she only thought it, for no no whisper of sound escaped her. She was being carried. Her eyes opened to gaze up at a flat, dead sky, black and bleak and starless. Please, no. The sound of Miri Mazdor's voice grew louder until it filled the world. The shapes, she screamed. The dancers. Sir Jorah carried her into the tent. 
um, I just found the shapes, exclamation point, the dancers, <laughs> exclamation point, to be unintentionally hilarious at this moment. Um, so, you know, such a, it's a kind of a gross, it's a gross chapter, but horrible in a way that the prior Dothraki chapters weren't horrible, so it was sort of refreshing in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, just the chaos of it, and George does a really good job of conveying the chaos. Well, you still can follow what's going on, but you can tell, like, you get this sense that, oh, this is a group of, like, 100,000 people <laughs> breaking up all around yep. you. You get that sense throughout the chapter, like, that you, you get the feeling that everything is crumbling. Like, you can't, every time they, that, you know, Danny finally, you know, starts to, to, to get some, some solid ground under her in this chapter it immediately crumbles because you can tell the whole, the whole place is just going to shit all around her. You totally get that throughout. And the the end is the perfect culmination of that. And she's keeping it together. I mean, given, given like basically that it's like, as soon as Drogo dies, she's fucked and she's going into labor and, you know, there's someone doing dark magic in a tent over here. Her blood riders are busting up. Drogo's blood riders over there. People are fleeing for their lives. You know, people are throwing stones at her. Like, there's a hell of a lot going on here. And, um, you know, she, until the very end, like, she's actually, like, somewhat, like, doing okay, really. It's, you know, until... Yeah, well, imagine being in labor and even being able to keep track of what was going on around you. Like, that's right. crazy. Um, I have a question that so Mary Maz says that the dead will dance, but then, you know, we see the shadow of a great wolf and another like a man in flames. And if we assume that they are dead, I don't, you know, does anyone have any idea of who they are, of who they are? I don't know that I've ever seen that discussed, actually. I, I, I noticed that, too. Even the fact that there's this thing of the shadows dancing in the tent. I think this is another place where George hadn't completely resolved on something. Cause I don't think we get quite this impression from like Thoros of Mir, you know, raising Beric Dondarrion from the dead and definitely not when Beric raises Catelyn. So you know, Melisandra birthing, you know, birthing the shadow babies. You don't get quite this. No, no. I think this is probably one of those things he'd probably go back and edit if he could, I would imagine. Like, the only thing I was thinking is, were they gods? So it was like the man wreathed in flames. Is that supposed to be like a representation of Valor? And then, you know, a great wolf. I, I just sort of in my mind think, oh, you know, I could see the old gods manifesting as wolves. Um, you know, well, because at this point, Ned's not dead yet. Um, if we think this is happening sequentially. Yeah, that's true. Well, here's the thing, though. We don't know what, I mean, is this, is, is Drogo a fire white? Because in our experience, fire whites have some capability of their own thoughts and everything, as opposed to the ice whites that, that the others raise, where they seem to be animated entirely mm-hmm. by the will of the others. So we don't really know what kind of white Drogo is, because he ends up just being like a lump. Right. <laughs> so we he's really lump. don't know. He's lump. <laughs> it came into my head too. That's why I was giggling. He's in but it's head. weird because Miri uh, says she learned this in a shy, which is where all of you know the Relor devotees come from, and and where Melisandre like, went to train. Yeah. So, but it sounds I like she know. like 
she was kind of like learning from a whole bunch of different cultures there because it sounds she like was, a lot yeah. of different yeah yeah which made me think like oh old guy you know maybe there or you know who knows and again I, yeah i don't know that george is like ready to would have an answer for us here it just sounds cool mm-hmm. i um, doubt he does i think this was probably unresolved at the time and he just hopes that we don't sit around and notice it like yeah, we're doing it right is. now like, let's just well, throw and a then, bunch of you know but i do like the idea shit. of relore and the great other the old gods or yeah, yeah. being the wolf i do dancing like in this tent <laughs> <laughs> let's, having a dance the yeah, let's not distract <laughs> well, him with this question either <laughs> Danny you know does Danny is she the only one that sees this because you know Mary told her she was going to see it so are other people not seeing this you know is it just a is it in her head yeah I think so oh. I think it is because oh. who would take her into that tent it, it if they were seeing Jorah it would say something yeah Jorah would he, he would drop her or something like it is it has to be good in her point. head. I hadn't yeah. realized she was the only one seeing it, but good point. Well, and it's, you know, I think for all of the, you know, for all of the, I mean, Danny assumes all of this loyalty that Miriam Asdora should have for her, which she doesn't. But I mean, they're, I mean, her handmaidens and her blood riders and Jorah, I mean, they are like, you know, they're doing whatever she says here. Like, she does have them, per se, already, even, you know, even prior to the dragons. To You know, I know the Blood Riders kind of deny her before the dragons come. But, I mean, her people here, her, like, core group, they're pretty damn solid. You know, it's kind of well, like... they're true I can, believers. Yeah, and I can forgive they, they her a little her. bit for, you know, making some assumptions about Miri Maz. Because, you know, yeah, these these people are, like, definitely on her side at a point where... You know, if this doesn't work out, if Danny falls from grace, you know, they're all going down with her, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, in-universe, as much as we make fun of it as as ridiculous, you know, the fact that she did this thing of eating the horse heart and everything, you know, P.S., same thing any Dothraki woman would have done. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to them, in the book, the way that George wrote it, they were really impressed by this. And she is meant to be, you know, in her affinity for a horse at the beginning. She is meant to be seen in universe as a very different, you know, very powerful and cool sort of woman, you know, not and like the other girls, <laughs> no, not like the other girls. Yeah. Uh, um, but yes, I mean, yes. Yeah, so she does. She 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 clearly has, you know, created kind of a mythos about herself. And it, it does make these people loyal and they will obviously only get fanatical by the time she, you know, hatches some dragons. Which, to be fair, I mean, that would probably tip me over the edge into fanaticism. Oh, no, that's how religions no? are started, for sure. Right. You know, like, <laughs> hey, chicks got chicks the real deal here. Um, were there any questions for this chapter? Um, yes, we had two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Buck O'Hare, um, Discord asks, um, what is the source of Mary's power? Which we kind of already touched on that. She's drawn from a lot of different places. We talked about Asha and that she's learned from uh, the Dothraki as well and a few others. Um, but we already kind of answered that question. Kind of, yeah. But it is, it does, it does bear um, some some discussion, I think. And I'm sure that people have had the discussion. I've just never bothered to read it. It is pretty fascinating that you have someone just out here in the middle of the Dothraki Sea who has like, you know, talked to, you know, pretty powerful people from the Citadel and who has been to a shy and, and has learned this sort of, you know, blood magic that raises people from the dead. And yet she also has other, you know, obviously, um, like you said, Dothraki magic. The and stuff. It is pretty crazy from, you know, 
the other birthing songs she has and all the, so many different um, cultures that she's learned from as well. She's yeah. got like guess, three PhDs. <laughs> she's like a Renaissance woman. <laughs> I always wanted to write, or, or to be more accurate, I've always wanted someone else to write a <laughs> tale kind of done from the perspective of the Lazarine of, you know, the myth of, you know, the lamb that defeated the dragon and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of have it be the hero, the hero, the heroic myth of Miri Maz. And, you know, that she, you know, defeated the dragon and the stallion based the lamb that defeated the dragon and the stallion. And, you know, from their perspective that she would be this incredible self-sacrificing, you know, magical heroine. And, you know, mm-hmm. like she absolutely would be. Oh, and I almost want to read it write that because oh, i think yes, it's such I a great that. you know it's such a great companion piece of from their point of view she should be like this you know this incredible heroine basically yeah, her story i want her story i mean actually yep. her story from you know again she sounds like she's kind of from this backwater temple and they send her to you know a shy and she learns all the stuff and comes back there um you know to like tend to her people apparently and then you know one day the Dothraki come and kill them all. And I mean, that's, you know, that's like a, a origin story right there. So someone it might- actually, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it kind of reminds me of inglorious bastards where I can't remember the character's name, but the girl who mm-hmm. at the beginning, her family Fine is killed girl. and she gets her revenge at the end. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, I guess with the dragons being birthed, she doesn't in the end. But, you know, we can just skip that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we had one more just general uh, comment for this episode. Um, so Cardinal Girl 75 on Discord um, asks, in the Danny Six podcast, you guys talked about how she's been set up to be the antagonist of the series, even though many don't realize it, in part because of her lack of interest in knowing more about the realm she realm she wants to rule. It seems to me that this is clearly shown in this chapter where she doesn't understand the Dothraki, um, who she's lived with for a year, uh, don't have the same inherit- inheritance system that Westeros does. She seems to think her son will become Call simply based on the fact that he's Drogo's son. And she reject- rejects the idea of going to live with the Dash Kaleen, although she's aware that this is the fate of the Khaleesi who survives her call. Uh, there are a lot of things about the Dothraki she does understand, but it seems like she understands them when they suit her needs and wishes, like seeming to be fine with what Drogo intends to do in Westeros, which we talked about in Danny Six, and refuses to accept them when they don't. Um, and that that comes out in the la- the previous Danny chapter as well. Seven was that seven? Yeah, comes up in that chapter as well. I mean, I don't know that that's an entirely fair statement. I think that. You know, in terms of her learning about Westeros, I mean, she's going kind of from culture to culture in her chapters. And I don't, you know, I don't know that she's got room to be learning a lot about Westeros when she's learning about Astapor and Marine and all these other places. And I mean, I think like some of her reactions about, you know, about her son being the call and stuff are, you know, in like taken in shock. Like she kind of, it's not like she was when Jorah, like, you know, gives her the what's what it's not like she has any real resistance it's like yeah i know i know i'm just like in i'm in like five seconds of denial before mm-hmm. you know before she realizes it so i i don't know i mean of all of the things that are prob are problematic about danny i don't know that 
She never thought know. she was going to get to this place. I kind of this was not on yeah. the radar of actually being a reality. Which, you know, it should have because, you know, yeah, Drogo's like super powerful and stuff, but, you know, as we learn it, it's like one arrow in the wrong place. Yeah, is all I mean, it like takes to his lifestyle. Position. <laughs> his lifestyle. Right. I mean, you know. her position is extremely precarious and it'd be, you know, it's interesting. I don't know that she ever reflects upon it. Like she's, you know, she was one death away from, from losing everything. And does she, you know, does she do a better job of consolidating her power and having a stronger power base and, you know, doing all these things in the future? I mean, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. Or is she, she just like, I got my, dragons. My response to the question would be basically what you see is, um, you know, Danny, Danny can be pretty good at, at figuring out how cultures work and everything, but she has her own underlying goals. And in the end, those are the most important thing. And, you know, I mean, like we talked about her tie, her thoughts about, you know, the fact that her family is the heir to the Iron Throne kind of define her life in a way. And so it's like she never lets go of that kind of in her thoughts. So you kind of see that there. But I mean, as always, you know, Danny's goals take precedence over anything else in the end. And you definitely see that in these chapters. That's a good point, because, I mean, I think in just thinking about the Dash Colleen, thinking like, well, you know, Danny obviously knows Drogo's going to die at some point, but she never, you know, if Danny's in, you know, if Danny's in Westeros and Drogo's dead, it's not like she's going to Vastath Rock, you know, like she never, like she would have no reason to even think that this is going to be something that she's going to have to deal with, because she doesn't think, you know, she still, you know, she thinks her future's in Westeros. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Drogo's a young man and she's only 14. You can understand why she didn't think she would immediately yeah. be <laughs> headed back to be a Dosh Colleen. But, <laughs> you know, just overall, I mean, you know, any anytime Danny does anything wrong, it's because her goal and the right thing are in conflict with each other. And and that you see that here. Which, I mean, makes her, you know, a pretty fascinating character. Because sometimes, yeah, very you human. know, right, it's sometimes those are going to align and, you know. You know, sometimes they're obviously not. And, you know, that will be interesting to see what happens in her future, you know, if we ever get to see it. I don't know. I mean, you guys know I'm generally pro Danny, which is really, really hard sometimes. (laughs) Bless you, Guile. Bless you. I mean, mean, somebody has to be, I guess. Well, and I think it's that it's really it's pretty easy to et- to admire a character that does like have you know a pretty strongly defined goal and is going to do what she needs to to get to it, and you know like generally Cersei. speaking, no, just kidding, sorry. sorry. Well, I mean, but generally speaking, she's but she's going to do it from. Uh, I like that she's going to do it from out front for the most part. She generally has a pretty good heart. Um, she wants you know she. Yeah. She wants the she right thing and what like she wants Cersei. to happen. She's not like malevolent or anything right. like that. No. Right. I mean, you know, she wants the right thing and what she wants to do to align. And, you know, if that doesn't happen, I think she tries to find a way to, I think she tries to find a way to reconcile those things. Like she's not like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do what I want anyway. Like, you know, sometimes not, that might happen, but yeah. She's not a no chance and no choice person. Let's just put it that way. Well, there's only one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There is. Yeah. I mean, she's no, obviously she's no Brienne, but I mean, she does have some, she does have a lot of, ad, you know, she has a lot of admirable qualities and. Um, well, her first, her first, you know, usually in most situations, Danny's first instinct is to do the right thing or, you know, the morally right thing. She doesn't, she doesn't enjoy cruelty. 
you know, generally speaking. Um, it's just sometimes expedience doesn't have room for the right thing. Well, yeah. And, you know, she's in a dilly of a pickle here. Poor Danny. Any she other really questions? Is. And this is terrible. I mean, what a terrible position to be in to be giving birth. Let's just, you know. Yeah. And I mean, who hasn't it. turned to the dark arts as <laughs> <laughs> to, save, to save a mass murderer? I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, Boy, I mean, I have to say, like, I don't actually hate Drogo as much as you guys do, but I think it's mostly that I, you know, it's mostly a Jason Momoa thing. I, so I, think I know, he Jason really Momoa. does color things a little too much. <laughs> right, it's like Drogo is, you know, Drogo is... <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Drogo is terrible, but yes, if you're, thinking, if you're thinking of this all happening to Jason Momoa, it's like, well, you know, yeah, you less know. Who wouldn't ba- turn to the dark arts, right? <laughs> Right, I feel less bad about the horse. <laughs> <So>. uh, <laughs> um, but that is all the mail we have. All right, anyone else before we uh, destroy this Danny chapter? <laughs> I was just gonna say, how wild would it have been if she had taken off with Jorah when she, they like when he had wanted her to, and then she'd gone into labor with Jorah? I think she would have been fucked. <laughs> Oh, well, absolutely. I think like her blood riders and the and her handmaids were, you know, like they would have been going too. It sounds like like mm-hmm. that was kind of it wasn't just going to be the two of them. It was going to be like this whole like this group. So at least she'd have, you know, you and also like really they like why didn't they give her anyone like you think like one of her like main handmaids would be like pretty experienced in this given that you know they well, I don't know cuz they were right they were all calling for the birthing women like it's like right. these these ones didn't know yeah, what they were doing I'm like would that be a terribly specialized position I feel like if you're living in like an, a nomadic society like wouldn't you kind of absorb childbirth it like, seems like a skill everyone should have right on yeah some level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean especially women i mean i would oh, think you women, know yeah i don't know most That's, women would, would think know about something like, infant mortality rates like i would want the birthing women please <laughs> yeah you want i mean i'm sure you'd think. want a midwife yes yeah. but for these girls to be like oh i have no idea what to do i mean that doesn't seem plausible does it in their society doesn't to me oh, it's not no. their job I mean, they can braid hair get a bath going <laughs> like, well, i mean he gave them like if you remember i think that um eerie is like specifically talented with horses and jiki with languages or the other way around. I apologize. I can't remember. And then Doria, obviously, with the bed sport, you would kind of think that she would have someone, um, you know, or at least once she got pregnant, that like she would have someone else with her that was specifically to, like, help her deal with the pregnancy and then with the baby. Like, you just think, like, they would have, like, some kind of specialized, like, top person that she'd be hanging out with. Mm. But obviously plot. I mean, <laughs> when it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, dude, I, I, I had one question I meant to ask. Do we think that this was going to be a stillbirth from the beginning, the way that she describes going into labor, where she says it feels like knives are stabbing her even before she goes in the tent? Mm, nah, does sounds that sound about right? right. <laughs> is it knives? Yeah, yeah. Is it, does it feel like knives? Uh, it's like should, should I be glad again? I just, as like, a man who's never given myself? birth before. <laughs> Oh, there's only one of us here. I lasted like maybe 30 minutes with contractions and I'm like, give me the epidural. (laughs) (laughs) It's like your period cramps times a hundred is what it feels like. Yeah. 
I just feel like those are dull, but oh, okay. times a hundred. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's it. <laughs> just yeah, I just got you know caught up in that. Sorry. Um, if you have any questions or comments or want to share your um, your birth story with us, you can email. I mean, seriously, I feel like plot. You might enjoy you know. that. Yeah, if you've given birth in the middle of combat, let us know. I, I, I exactly. feel though, like I feel like like I did C sections. Like some, I don't know, there's a whole other story with that. But the second one, I'm like, you drug me up, give me a C section. <laughs> what? I'm not doing that again. Yeah, but then you got the recovery, which is worse. So either way, you're screwed. Basically, it's not uh, fun. It's not a party. I'm just gonna say yeah. that. Yeah. Labor, not a party, um, except in England when it's actually is a labor party. <laughs> anyway, get us out of here, please. <laughs> uh, let's bring her on home. So, if you have any questions for us, you can email us at close the door and at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr at close the door and come here. On Twitter at Door Podcast, you can reach us on the Jamie Brienne subreddit, which is our Jamie Brienne, or you can find us and ask questions on the Jamie Brienne Discord. Um, you could try skywriting, I feel like, or message in a bottle as well, which I think would be kind of fun. Just stick it in the Great Lakes; we'll find it'll find some of us sometime. Um, if you want, if for some reason you want to support this podcast at this point. <laughs> you can you can um, support us on Patreon at Close the Door and Come Here. That will go towards, I think, like drugs at this point, it sounds like, which <laughs> is fine with me. Um, and you can listen to us, subscribe and listen to us wherever you watch. watch. <laughs> I'm really not on drugs. Um, wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs> and with, with that... With that professional finish, I am closing the door. (laughs) Get out.